welcome back to the Pursuit for Dispute. I'm Oscar Wilson and I'm here with my co-host Luke Malara. Uh, yep, welcome, welcome back to another episode. Today we will be focusing on the adventures of Huckleberry Finn as our key topic. I don't know about you Luke, but I feel most anxious to get started on this podcast because I feel like we've done a little bit of work um, on it and discussed it quite a lot together. Yeah, we have a journey behind, journey and a story behind today, today's episode. So my point is it's the best one yet, so keep listening. We do not have a special guest that we're talking to in this um, podcast directly, but we did catch up with Dr. Shelley Fishkin last week, who, in my opinion, is seems to be the world-leading academic in Huckleberry Finn. She is a professor at Stanford University and the author of several books on the subject of Huckleberry Finn, including Lightning Out for the Territory, Reflections on Mark Twain and American Culture, Was Huck Black, Mark Twain and American, African American Voices, sorry, and she's president of the Mark Twain Circle of America and editor of the 19 volume Oxford Mark Twain. Very impressive. Yeah, very impressive resume there, but then I suppose you'll be wondering why we actually even focusing on Huck Finn today, because it can be, while it is such a popular novel, it is also a very in-depth one where you can really take so many messages and stories out of it. And we, we are only have the best academics on our show, of course, it's very <laughs> prestigious. For sure. Um, but. I think the reason that we got onto this subject was because, Luke, you have written a great number of words, a great many number, on Huckleberry Finn for your extended essay. Yeah, so part of the IB, we have to write an extended essay on any topic that we choose, and for me, it was Huck Finn that really got my attention. I read it, I don't know, many years ago, and when I read it the first time, it was just a novel. It was just this simple story of a boy in a and Jim who they just go on a journey down the Mississippi River but now really looking back on that and thinking about the story and the messages behind this I can really embrace all the aspects of American culture and society that underlie this book and show why it, why it is one of the great American novels. Yeah and did you think that you learnt a lot about it in the process of writing the essay? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've read many academic articles, looked at some of Dr Fishkin's um, documents and essays and they really provide different perspectives that allow us to not just view this novel through one preordained perspective but really see it in all the complexity that it exists in. Yeah and obviously uh, Dr Fishkin if you're listening thank you so much we're very uh, grateful for your time and I agree with Luke that I think in, in talking to you we're, um, and exploring this book further we've, our minds have really been opened up to the many um, possibilities and wide-reaching implications of this um, really it's a simple child's novel yeah, without but a doubt. it's so much more than that is what I've learned um, and one of the first things that we asked her is why she's dedicated a lot of time to the book and why she thinks it's significant and I think she had a lot of interesting things to say about that I think we agree that it as you said it you know gives you a really good idea of the American culture and society of everything that's happening around the South um, shortly after um, the emancipation um, of s slaves. Um, but um, I'd like to talk about first maybe um, 
the, the literary significance of it. It was the first book that talked, I think she, she mentioned, and, and shows you know, how a person becomes who they are through this uh, kind of uh, conversational language that's used in it. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's, this, this novel's different from many of the previous American novels where in the past these novels were more about a plantation tradition, the sort of a romanticised view of the, sla the slavery and the conditions that existed in society where this process was glorified. But then Twain's novel, it's very striking as it is the first novel that seeks to subvert, subvert these ideals that have pretty much always existed in American literature since colonisation. In this way, it's almost a post-colonial critique of past novels as a means to show the effects of colonisation and the way that people like Jim in this novel, they're pushed, pushed out of society and prevented from being themselves until, like this novel, they escape on an adventure down the Mississippi River into the natural world. And also the significance of Jim's voice, you know, is perhaps a um, counter to the literary culture that preceded the book as well. Yeah. Agree? In a way, he, he speaks like he should speak. It's not Twain. In a, it is Twain's voice that is telling this story, but Jim speaks in the most natural and authentic way he can to really give substance and validate the authenticity of, of the novel. And we talked about this with Dr. Fishkin, and she made a point of saying that this contemporary um, speaking mode of literature is by no means a indication of the moral worth of characters because as you know very well there's this um, antithetical divide between the civilized and non-civilized world and often these characters that speak very eloquently are by no means more morally uh, superior to Jim who speaks in a very different um, way. Um, it might even be antithetical that Jim is um, way uh, more morally respectable, in my opinion, than the Duke and um, the King, who speak very eloquently, but are terrible people. Yeah, well, there's sort of this expectation that those who are civil, they have learnt the proper, if you like, way to speak. They speak without any without misleading their language. They're very simplistic and they know what they're talking about as a means to instill their own narrative upon others who don't necessarily necessarily believe in it. This comes down to like people like uh, Miss Watson and the Widow. They, they speak but they don't really know what they're talking about. They have been preordained into a set of values that make them believe that they're, in this case, Christian values in society, they're the right ones. And I feel like, um, if we're talking about Huck's voice, the book is about him growing up, and I feel like he finds his voice, unlike Aunt Sally and others that we might come back to later, um, maybe climaxing the point where he says stuff, I'll go to hell, I'll help Jim, um, and maybe that's the point where he breaks free of this voice that was really society's voice speaking through him and finding his own stance. I find that very interesting. Yeah, well, it's important to remember that Huck is just a young teenager. He is, he is still a child. He has not yet been exposed to the complete reality of the outside world, and that's what makes him such a, a vital part of Twain's novel. Huck's very innocence and unexposure to 
to the issues that are very prevalent in this society. Allow, it shows how it is at this young age that these stories are told to people and they come to believe them as the truth. But then as Huck goes on this journey with Jim, he discovers the other story, the story that is silenced and that gives him the voice where he can see both perspectives and really make his own personal opinion of what he thinks. And while we're on the topic of Huck discovering the world, I think it's important to mention fathers because um, we talked about the role of Jim as a father with Dr. Fishkin and she mentioned that he is possibly the first black father in um, American literature who, who was prevalent and had the role that he had as opposed to Jim's real father who was terrible, really a terrible father um, and I think Jim is central to Huck learning about the real nature of the world and about equality and if we uh, go to one of your favourite scenes, the, the fog scene, I know when Huck plays that trick on him and you said he acts in a fatherly way to, to Huck telling him that he's, he's wrong and he, he ought to grow up and um, Huck feels genuinely sorry and I think that's a turning point in him finding the world through this um, surrogate father figure. Yeah, well as Dr Fisher was saying, Jim is, he, you know, in a way he is the hero of the novel. He, in particular in this fog scene, he guides Huck through the, the confusing and unknown aspects of this scene. Like Before this, Huck still holds some of these civilised views that he's grown up with and has been forced on him in a Christian and re religious household. But now in this scene, the fog makes everything unpredictable. Huck doesn't know where he's going next. He's not being pushed to go to school, to go to church like he does. Back he's in, free. Yeah, he's free. Yeah, he's free. And this freedom allows... He's got the choice now. He's at, quite literally in this scene, they are at a fork in the river. Yeah. They don't know. And it is Jim that guides Huck. While sort of Huck initially placed this trick on him, Jim tells him that this... Well, that was wrong. This isn't morally yeah. correct. So then Huck ultimately then develops his own set of morals and he can choose which way he goes down the fork. And ultimately he choose, chooses that freedom of the, of the natural world. I love that, and there's just so much symbolism there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Civilised, you know, oh, it's it's so great, and I really think there's a lot of symbols and um, images that are really key um, surrounding the river um, in particular. I wanted to talk about another uh, topic. I asked um, Dr. Fishkin what is the role of literature in our understanding of history, and I was I felt very good when she said that was a that was a good question. We weren't sure. Yeah, well, you were, you were very, that was a very good question, um, and you were really fascinated by it. And it's an interesting way of viewing a novel where it's not just a story that's being told, it's the history behind it and the values of the real society that really give a novel so much meaning. Um, yeah. yeah, I came, in, came across the idea that while we can look at, we both do history, we look at the Russian Revolution, for example, we look back and we think that you know everyone living in Nazi Germany or slave America was a terrible person but I love literature in literature helps us study history because looking at Huck Finn we have to look the kind lovable Aunt Sally because um, she is kind she is lovable but she owned slaves and we have to realize and this is what is really clever with Twain we have to realize that it was the regular ordinary people that um, let terrible things like slavery happen and didn't question their environment. 
and Dr. Fishkin put us on to Mark Twain's essay, My First Lie and How I Got Out of It. And I read that as um, saying, what Twain was saying is that, you know, basically this, that ordinary people let these terrible things happen and people don't question their surroundings and it's a theory, uh, the theory of silent assertion, as he, as I quote, um, that can be applied to slave America, um, Nazi Germany, any, you know, terrible regime around the, the world, really. Um, so, thanks for that, uh, Dr. Fishkin. Yeah, because you've got these virtuous people, but their very morals are misguided. You think, yeah, like, like you were saying, Aunt Sally, she's a good person. There's, she is a good person, but mm -hmm. yes, she owns slaves. It's like all of, it's everyone in this novel. You have these people, they live on, they live on their farms, they live in their towns. They're good people, but there's these underlying principles that they subconsciously believe in that sort of misguide their morality and prevent them from truly being the morally good person that Twain really argues Jim is and what he's, and Jim tries to teach up these values to guide him in the right direction. It's almost as if um, Jim, no, sorry, Huck is the outsider and, and all these people have continued the straightforward path but Huck goes on this enlightening journey to, through this, this freeing river where the, the path is not clear and he comes back, you know, sort of enlightened, he's had a revelation. Yeah, no, he's a blank slate and it's everyone imposing these values on him and he, he's sort of trying to sculpt himself in his own image rather than allowing others to exactly. force an image upon him. And in, in a way, that's what the book's all about. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, that's the title. But, you know, Jim can also be credited for being the main character, in, in my opinion, even though the book's not got his... It's not The Adventures of Jim, but it's The Adventures of, it, it's the adventures of Jim through the eyes of Huck Finn. I might be rambling a little bit now, but to go back to the question of literature and history, um, I also found uh, that I wanted to mention on, on air that what Dr. Fishkin said that um, Twain was ahead of his time and I want to move our conversation towards the ending of the book. Um, what do you make of the ending? Because I've got a few things to say about how uh, this reflects how we learn about history. Yeah, the ending is definitely, it is one of the most controversial aspects of the novel. Some people think Twain was misguided in including such an ending, but I think the very placement of the ending here and how their journey has gone full circle. Jim, he was free all along. This whole journey was essentially futile. So in this way, Twain is almost critiquing not only it's all of society, but also the values that Huck have been trying to impose. They've gone on this journey. They have gone through so many hardships. Jim was always free. It's this very hypocrisy of this civil society that ultimately made them break free. But then at the end, it almost, it's the futility of it. Jim, he, he escaped, but now he's just back where he started. Nothing has changed for Jim. Yes, Huck, Huck's gone on this journey. He will move on, but Jim is, he's stuck in this never ending loop where he can't truly liberate himself. And that even extends into modern, modern literature today where we find that it is hard for minorities in society to find the, the escape that allows them to be who they are. That's a great point, and I think that frustration at not having that progress is really key to this ending. I don't know about you, I felt so angry. I've never felt such 
frustration. And I think that's exactly what Twain's trying to do. He's trying to get that anger instilled in the reader so they really understand the reality of what's been going on throughout this whole novel. And I think I may have came to you and said, why, this is so annoying. Why do people like reading? This is just so so frustrating. And then I realised that's what he wants. He wants you to feel the same um, feelings that he had towards the breakdown of reconstruction. Twain... um, Dr. Christian said was so ahead of his time that he could see before historians that the promises were not being fulfilled in um, changing America in the post-slavery world. And we're going to have to wrap it up soon. Um, And it's essentially a parable for the Reconstruction breakdown is what the ending was. Yeah, and to start really wrapping it up now, that's really the importance of this novel, the way that it tells a history through literature, where history, it looks at the facts, it tells you what is plain for most to see, but literature, it really captures the emotions of those at the time, and that's what this novel does. Twain, he shows the truth, the personal side of so many, of the history of the past, and that's what makes this one of the great American novels. That's a great ending. Uh, We thank you very much for listening. I'm sure we could talk about Huck Finn for hours on end. <laughs> yes. Um, sure. But we'll see you in the next episode, possibly for some more literature, maybe by Tony Morrison. But yep. thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Thank you very much. Peace out.